Good morning. Happy Sabbath. That was not very convincing. Happy Sabbath. That's a little better. I am very excited to be with you this morning. Um, I'm a pastor and I haven't preached in over a month and I'm feeling like I need to get some energy out. You don't have to raise your hand, but some of you here might struggle with uh, attention deficit disorder, ADD. That's me. Sitting down, listening to a sermon is a, is a struggle, and I'm happy to stand up for a change for a month here. So, um, uh, before I get get started, my name is Matt Hasty. You, you already got the introduction. Over here is Gracie. She's with me. She goes to Camping Academy. She's a freshman up there, and I had, I had asked her to come to share a little testimony. She goes door to door for her job on campus. And this is Jesse, and uh, he's my assistant. My right arm, sometimes part of the brain too, and uh, he's going to be sharing a little bit as well. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware, but but we're going to do some uh, outreach before we feed you. Amen. <laughs> I'm glad Godfrey said amen. <laughs> so please stick around for that. Um, I, I have a couple of gifts. Now, uh, to, I only have three of them, and I wish I had more for everyone, but... Um, I have a couple quiz questions before to, to, to get a gift. So first quiz question, um, uh, can you describe, first person to raise their hand, can you describe the outfits of the Waldensians? Raise your hand. What did the Waldensians wear? Yeah. Here, let, me, let, me, let me give you the mic. Okay. I want, I want, I want everyone to hear. We have the right group of people, but didn't they have outfits that they sewed pockets all inside of them so they can store scripture. That's right, that's right. Did you hear that over there? The Waldensians, they lived in a time when it was illegal to have a Bible. Illegal to have a Bible. And they hand copied the Bible before the printing press was ever out. Hand copied big sections of the Bible. They'd memorize huge portions of the Bible and they wanted to share scripture. But if they got caught with it... So they had special garments designed to hide their hand-copied pieces of the Bible. And when they felt like there was the right time, they'd pull it out and give it to someone. So I have something very similar, but not quite as uh, the same, I guess. It's, but it's on the same line. This is a witnessing shirt. And wh- which one do you want? Blue, green, or what is this color? Grayish, brown? Take blue? Okay. All right, next question. Um, uh, and if any of you want more of these, let me know. I can try to mail you something. Um, uh, next question. Literature. Literature evangelism, just like the Waldensians, has, has been important. Passing out little, little tracts like these and, and that kind of thing. Some of you may have books in your shelves, and, and, and you've passed those out before in the past. But I'm looking for the person who has passed some type of literature out with the purpose of, of sharing your light. This last week. Anyone this last week? Ooh, a couple over here. Okay. <laughs> One, two, three. I have two shirts, so we'll narrow it down from this last week to the last three days. So sorry. <laughs> Which one do you want? Here you go, bro. Very good, very good. Well, again, thank you for the invitation, for coming here this morning. And uh, 
I was always told never to have your back to the audience. <laughs> but I kind of like this. It's a unique setup. Um, let's have a word of prayer this morning before we get into our Bible study. Uh, Father in heaven, Lord, I ask for your own namesake that you speak to our hearts. Lord, that's my humble prayer. Bury me behind the cross. Lord, that only you and your words could be heard this morning. We thank you and we pray in your name. Amen. To get started, I'm going to call up Gracie and Jesse and uh, just share a little testimony. That'll be my introduction. And then we'll do a, a Bible study right afterwards. So, Gracie. All right. Um, do you have an extra mic? Yeah. I can talk loud. Just press the button. Uh, I know you can. Okay, so Gracie, I, I have a quick question for you. Um, uh, have you ever had an answer to prayer during your experience of, of knocking on doors? I have. I've had lots, but one of my favorites was when I think I was like, I just stopped in like the middle of a street, like literally in the middle of the street. And I was like, I don't know if I should be doing this because it was one of the hottest days out there. It was just so hot. And so I was like, well, if you want me to do this, please have the next book get out. I don't care who gets it. Wait, wait, pause real quick. When you say do this, what do you mean do? By, um, like, go door to door. Go door to door, yeah. Do my job, per se. (laughs) And so I was like, I don't care who it is. Just get out a great controversy. And as soon as I said that word, my radio goes off when one of my coworkers says, I just got a GC, which is our code word for the great controversy. And the next door I knock on, I get out great controversy. Okay, I want to make sure everyone caught, caught what just happened, right? So Gracie was uh, contemplating if she should do this job, right? Her job is, is evangelism, going door to door. It's Halloween, right? <laughs> this is a couple days ago. And we have a goal to get great controversies out. That was our goal today. She has that little spark planted by the devil. Yes, you should do this. So she prays that prayer, and what happened again? Say it one more time. I want to make sure everyone catches it. That as soon as I was done, my radio goes off that somebody had just gotten out a great controversy. What's that verse? Before you ask, I will answer. Someone, God was answering her prayer request before she even asked, and she got two great controversies out because of that <laughs> prayer. Amen. How many of us think we should be praying to get our literature out? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Gracie. So uh, I was canvassing in El Paso, Texas, and uh, going door to door. My leader dropped me off in businesses, some businesses, and um, on the way through the businesses, I see like a Catholic church, and I was like, oh man, I should skip this. I'm not going to get any books out, but um, you know, the, the Holy Spirit was speaking to me and like it was telling me you should go back don't skip it and so I end up going back and um, I, I go to the office and I meet the, the priest the the lady that works in the front desk and another worker and I ended up canvassing all of them the priest uh, the lady in the office and um, showing them with them all the books great controversies steps to Christ Christ object lessons and um, we have this book called Bible Answers put out by Amazing Facts which um it talks about like every all the twenty fundamentals, 
And but the Catholic priest, uh, he actually ended up getting the Bible answers, and he really uh, wanted it just to like study the Bible and share with his church members. And the lady in the office, she ended up getting a Prince of Peace, a book for her kids, and Steps to Christ. Oh wait, and the priest also got like a Magic Kingdom DVD, which is uh, a DVD put out by uh, Little Light Studios, which goes over to the cartoons and shows how uh, they're corrupting like the minds of like kids. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this is a this is a powerful experience because uh, it reminded me of the the verse in Mark chapter six, verses five, verse five and six, where the disciples um, it says that you know the Lord couldn't work many miracles because of their unbelief, and you know it kind of reminded me of that experience. You know, like I wouldn't have gotten those books out if I. If I didn't change my life, I mean, if I didn't change my mind and, like, believe, you know, I would have just uh, skipped that and, you know, I wouldn't have been able to bless the Catholic Church in the community. But fast forward a couple days later, I go into the community. Uh, I meet a lot of people that go to the Catholic Church. And because I, I met the priest and the priest got books, I was able to tell them, like, hey, uh, do you know the, the Catholic priest in uh, the first church, first angels church right here around the corner? like oh yeah yeah that's the church that i go to and i was like yeah he actually got this book right here and so then all the church members that i met around the community they're like oh if the priest got that book that means these books are good so i'll get this book as well so we're we're in that area for about a week and the whole week i've met probably like 30 church members or like all the church members that go to the church and by god's grace all of them got books because the Priest God books. Mm. So that Amen. church is going to be Adventist church pretty soon. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you guys. Go grab a seat. <clears throat> God is good? Very good. <clears throat> you know, it's interesting. I uh, haven't had the opportunity to talk to a priest, but I had a friend that visited that Vatican. I worked at a summer camp, and she and her family went to the Vatican, and they decided to pass out a bunch of tracts in the Vatican. And uh, she went around all these Pope's caskets and like left a little Bible pamphlet there. And then she came back, and they were all gone, so she did it again. And then she did it again. <laughs> and then she did it again, and by then they were done in, the, in that room and decided to walk out of, out of whatever room they were in. And this, this uh, priest grabbed one of these and said, Excuse me, excuse me, ma'am, are you there? <laughs> And she turned around and kind of embarrassed and comes over. What is this? You know, in his accent. And she explains to him, but he's never studied the Bible before. Never. He was about to be commissioned and, uh, as a priest and or whatever they call it. But she invited him to their hotel with her and her family. And they did a four-hour Bible study for the first time in his entire life. Isn't that crazy? So, God is good. He has His ways of getting the truth out. Amen? Um, I'm ready for a Bible study. Grab your Bibles. Open it up to Luke chapter 10, verse 2. Luke chapter 10, verse 2. But before we get there, I want to make an appeal. In James chapter 1, verse 22, I'm sure many of you are familiar with this verse. In James chapter 1, verse 22, it says, Do not be a just a hearer, but a doer of the word, right? Not just a hearer, but a, a doer. My appeal at the very beginning of our, our time together 
is that we would sincerely pray in our hearts right now that I won't just hear another sermon, I won't just, just go through another Bible study, but I'll be a doer as a result of what I hear today. How many of you will pray that in your own hearts this morning? Very good. Let's jump right into our study. Luke chapter 10 and verse 2. And I'm going to get someone to read the first section of that verse for me. Who wants to read that for me? Go ahead, brother. Then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are proved few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Therefore, he said, and the harvest truly is it's great. What is the word? Blentiful. But the laborers are, are few. From the very, very beginning, that should catch our attention, right? What is Jesus trying to, to communicate? There's few of us. In other words... Let's make it a little more practical. Sometimes when it comes to spiritual things, we, we, we uh, feel uncomfortable saying the words that I'm hoping you'll say eventually. But let's just say you're a farmer, right? I, I'm not sure what the big popular crops are around here, but I see corn everywhere in the country. So let's say you're a corn farmer, and uh, you have a tiny little tractor, but a very, very big field. You want to you harvest, it's harvest time, and I'm not sure if, if you leave your corn in there too long, if bad things happen, I'm not a farmer. Well, let's just say it does, for the case of example. So you, you see your massive field of corn, and you see your tiny little tractor, and as you're going through, happily, happily putting along, getting your corn down, your tractor breaks down. The harvest is great. My labor is it having issues. Therefore, what do I need? I need more laborers or a new machine, either, either way. They didn't have tractors the same way they did in Jesus' day. What is Jesus saying? The harvest is great. The laborers are few. If we're going to get all the harvest done, we need what? More people. From the very beginning of this section, Jesus is clearly communicating to you and I that you are essential to the work of the gospel. Amen? God could have sent angels to do this job, and, he could have done, and they could have done a better job. Amen. But instead, He sent angels to work with you to do the job. Isn't that powerful? You are essential to the work of God. I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable, because God could choose other options. But I'm going to say it anyways, because I truly believe it. That God needs you. I believe that. God needs you to do what He asks you to do. Amen? The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. And then He says to do something about it. What does He ask us to do? Pray. Now, I asked you at the very beginning to not just be a hearer, but a, a doer. I don't need you to raise your hand. I'm, I'm guessing we have some studious Bible readers around here. And we probably stumbled upon this verse from time to time in our, in, our, in our experience through the Bible. But have we stopped and prayed, Lord, send more workers when we read this verse? We may have. But I believe this verse is asking us not just pray once, but to pray regularly. I want to look a little deeper. 
Now, I have taken one semester of Hebrew in my experience, and I'm by far not a scholar when it comes to the biblical languages, right? But I do have a Strong's Concordance, (laughs) and I like to use it. So this word, pray, there's a lot of different words in the Bible for prayer in the original Greek languages, right? In Hebrew languages. But this is looking at Greek. And the word here in Greek is diomai. Say that with me. Diomai, right? Now, you may be wondering, what does diomai mean? What, what is it half... What is the emphasis behind Diomai? I want to look at a couple different verses as we unlock what Diomai means. Go with me to the chapter before. Luke chapter 9, verses 37 through 40. Luke chapter 9, 37 through 40. And someone over here, read this section of verses for me. We're looking at what does Diomai mean? It's translated as prayer in Luke 10 too, But it's also found in Luke chapter 9, 37 through 40. And someone over here, why don't you read it for me? Now it happened on the next day when they had come down from the mountain at the great Suddenly a man from the multitude cried out, saying, Teacher, I implore you, look on my son, for he is my only child. And behold, the Spirit seizes him, and he suddenly cries out. It convulses him so that he foams at the mouth and departs from him with great difficulty, bruising him. Okay. Take a guess. Where does Diomai appear in this, these verses? Any guesses? Cried out. Implored. Maybe it says they cried out in another version too. I'm not sure. But the Father implored who? Jesus to do what? To heal his son. Many of you have children here. I have a nine-month-old. I love her to death. If she was sick... I would be on my knees begging God to heal her. This, this father has a son who's sick, not just with a physical disease, but with a spiritual disease. He's demon-possessed. You don't just get demon-possessed out of the blue. This, this kid's been going from one step to another step, further and further and further away from God. Each day he sees his son making a fool of himself. Until he completely loses him. His only hope is to cry out to Jesus. He demonizes Jesus. He begs Jesus. He prays to Jesus. Heal my son. Cast out these demons out of his life. Let me give you another example. Go back to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, verse 12. Just one verse. Someone over here. Luke chapter 5 and verse 12. Where does, where does Diomai appear in this verse? Luke chapter 5, verse 12. Someone over here. Yeah, please read it. It happened when he was in a certain city that, behold, the man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus, and he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Again, let's use our imaginations around this. What is the word diomai? In this version it was uh, implore, beseech, begged. This man has how much leprosy? He's full of leprosy. If he was in this room, you could smell him. It's disgusting. I did a little research. I had to. <laughs> And, and leprosy is a very slow-growing disease. And I heard reports that you could have leprosy for seven years 
without seeing any symptoms. And so if this man is full of leprosy, he's been a leper for a very long time. He had to have some family. Very likely, he could have been married with children when he found out he had leprosy. There may be someone here that has a terminal disease. You pray differently when you know you're really sick. This man's praying for healing, but I think it's even more than that. Because in their culture, you had leprosy. You're also forgotten by God and labeled a sinner. You're going to hell, basically. It's, it's the culture's communication if you have leprosy. So he's feeling more pain than I think we can really comprehend. Feeling like he's lost, feeling like there's no hope for him, feeling like he's just about to die. I mean, he probably doesn't have a nose. It's just gone. His fingers are just disgusting. And he's praying, beseeching, deal mind to Jesus to heal him. This is the same word, the same verbiage that's being communicated when Jesus is asking us to pray. We look at, you can look at this, this word over and over and over in Scripture. And again, it's not just like, Lord, thank you for the food. Amen. It's very heartfelt. It's very emotional. It's very meaningful. Jesus probably has tears in his eyes as he's communicating to his disciples to pray for the harvest. He's desperate. And he's asking us to pray. How many of you are willing to pray? Pray for laborers as much as you pray for your food. Daniel's made three times a day to pray. Special little dates with Jesus. You might not find an open window, but you can find a bathroom in your workplace at lunch. Amen? And pray for laborers. Pray for laborers. Christ is asking His church today, just like He did many days ago, to pray for laborers to go where? Into the field. But there is more. Jesus asked us to pray for laborers to be sent out. Right? Sent out. You ready to go with me on one more journey in a Greek word? Anyone know what the word sent out is in Greek? It's, uh, ooh, you're, you're on the right track. Ekbalo is the, is, the, is the word. Ekbalo. Ek means out. And balo means, just like you said, throw. Throw out is the literal translation. Go with me to uh, John chapter 8, verses 59. John chapter 8, 59. You can read this in your Bible, but I'll just tell you the story. Jesus is preaching this, this sermon. The temple is being rebuilt. He has a crowd around him. He says something quite startling to the hearers. He says, before Abraham was, I am. And when he said those words, this rage erupted in the crowd he's with. And they pick up stones to bolo at Jesus. But what happens in the next, next uh, phrase? He like hides himself somehow and he walks out in the midst of them. 
Very good move. Jesus is preserved until later. Balo, throw. Another example of ekbalo, the full complete package, is found in Mark chapter 11, verses 15. Mark chapter 11, verse 15, and the surrounding verses. Again, I'll tell you the story. Jesus is walking up to the temple. And as he's heading on his way to the temple, he can start to smell the smell. At Camping Academy, you can get too close to that smell sometime of the cows leaving too much, whatever they leave, manure and whatnot, too close to the road. He, he can start to smell that smell. As he gets closer, the smell gets stronger. As he turns around the corner, he sees his house has been turned into a marketplace. There's livestock in the temple. And Jesus is not happy about it. So he walks over to the table where the money's being collected and he very gently takes the money and he puts it on the ground and he puts the table down and folds in the legs and Mark walks it over to where it's supposed to be put away, right? What did Jesus do? He threw it. <laughs> threw the money. He let the pigeons free. He let all the animals out. In a different account in John, he says he has a whip in his hand. Whoosh. Jesus is trying to make a very clear statement. He's ekbaloing people out of his house, throwing them out of his house. Now put that word, that example, that emotion where Jesus was there and place it here. Is Jesus asking us to just gently make our way out to the cornfield, sending the workers out? Or is he trying to communicate something a little more intense? He's trying to communicate that the disciples should hang on to Gabriel the angel's giant slingshot. (laughs) Stay calm. But I'm going to cast you out. (laughs) And you're gone. Right? That's what Jesus is trying to communicate. He's like, we need people here now. Not tomorrow, not later in the afternoon. We need people immediately to go to the harvest field to collect fruits so that I can have a harvest. Amen? He's asking us to pray like we're dying. Like our children are dying. Like our children are going to hell. He's asking us to pray with that kind of intensity. And he is asking people to go immediately. To be thrown out now. That is Luke chapter 10, verse 2. I asked you not to be a hearer, but a, a doer. And I think the science behind this verse is really neat. Because I can ask you to pray, and I believe you will. But we also understand the principles of prayer, don't we? You can't just ask for something unless you're willing to play your part in the role of being an answer to your prayer. In other words, Gracie was asking to get great controversies out, but unless she's willing to knock on a door or show a book to someone, she's not going to get a great controversy out, amen? There's a component of works with faith. Works without faith is dead. So, in other words, what I'm trying to say is, if you're praying for workers to go to the harvest... You also must, come on, help me out. Don't be scared. What? what? You're going to what? 
Be willing to go yourself. Or be willing to grab someone to go with you. Both of which, both of which I think apply. Amen? Come on, church. Amen? Amen. I love this Bible study. I, I've, I've shared this so many times, but I just get excited each time I share it. God is asking us to be cast out. Stay calm. <laughs> but I want to toss you out into the harvest field. Now the next question may be, we understand we need to pray, we understand we need to go, but how? How do we go? Go with me to verse 1 of this, this same chapter 10 of Luke chapter 10, verse 1. Someone want to read verse 1 for me? <clears throat> Luke chapter 10 and verse 1. What did they do? What clues can we find in how to work? How to go? When do we go? What should we be doing? Who's going to read it for me? Okay, thank you. Okay, so let's immediately from the very beginning personalize this, right? Jesus was sending 70 people where? To every place, to every city and place where he's about to go. Is Jesus about to come to our cities and places? Amen? Okay, so now it's immediately personal. We know the rival is coming. (laughs) We know the rival is coming. He had 70, and they went to every city and place where Jesus had a tent of going. (laughs) What does this tell us about the difference between inreach and outreach? Do you understand the difference? Inreach, what's what's inreach? Stuff that's good for us, right? Inviting people to church. And that's healthy, it's good, it's necessary, but not the neglect of outreach, right? Jesus sent people... Not to go serve themselves, which is sometimes good. Jesus had people go to the other side of the lake and he spent time focusing with just the disciples. That's good. There's time and a place for that. But he sent them where? Out. Out of the safety of the group. Out of the church. Jesus sent the 70 out to every city and place where he himself was about to go. When the 70 got to these cities and places, what do you think they did? What was their only example? (laughs) Jesus, right? And what did Jesus do? He was working with people, healing them. What else did he do? Cast out demons. What else did he do? He taught and preached, right? So we see these two different components. Right? The hands-on manual getting to know people out and where they're at. And also the invitation to come and listen to me on the hillside to me preach. You know, when it comes to going out to the cities and places, yes, I think there's a time and place where we invite them to come in to the hillside and listen to the, the evangelistic meeting or the health seminar or the whatever it may be, but it can't just be that. It also has to be us going out and mingling with people where they're at. Amen? Both components are essential. Now, health message. We love our health, healthy bodies, don't we? 
We love the health truth that we, we share as a church. In my last church district, I was pastoring the church in Indiana, and my little church, we, we did a dental clinic. And people from all over the place came and, and got their teeth cleaned for free. And it was awesome, healing in the community. But we also tried to encourage a lot of advertisements. What did I say? Advertisements. Why do you say that? We live in a world where some of the brightest minds spend their time focusing how to win your mind. Some of the most intelligent people in the world focus all of their energy on how to win you over to whatever they're trying to sell. Right? You can't walk into a grocery store without being bombarded by advertisements. Everywhere. You can't drive down the road <laughs> without seeing advertisements. Billboards, magazines, grocery, grocery uh, ads here, probably delivered to your house. Literature has played a key role in winning your mind to buy whatever you buy. TV is also part of that, media. You might have had your friends influence as well. But literature is one of those key components that the world uses to sell you stuff. How much more should our church use literature to advertise what we're advertising? I got one head nod. Maybe I need to say this again. Are you praying for me, by the way? <laughs> Please pray for me. Everywhere you go, you see billboards and magazines and, and stuff trying to get your attention. I don't remember where the reference was, but somewhere along my journey of life, I heard someone say that for someone to buy something, they need to see it at least seven times. Seven times. So in other words, if I'm interested in Apple computers, I probably will look multiple times before I make the purchase, right? If it's coming to a new car, I'm probably going to spend hours shopping before I buy the car. You know, statistically, it was funny. My wife bought this bookshelf thing for our house that we just bought. And then she realized later she, she likes this, like, she's a cruise addict. Any other cruise addicts out here? My wife loves cruises. But she watched this podcast on YouTube with this lady who just goes over cruise stuff. And we noticed that she has the same bookshelf that we have. Somehow, I think subliminally, we got the advertisement that that's the bookshelf to buy. It's interesting, right? But our church has some very powerful things that it should advertise. Where did all my tracks go? I had a whole pocket. Oh, they're there. The Sabbath is a pretty important part of the Seventh Avenue Church. And if we want people to buy into the Sabbath concept, how many times should they see it? Statistically. Seven times. How many times have, has our community read anything or saw anything about the Sabbath? Probably not very often. I want to share a few stories with you. And uh, Gracie, I think you have some of those, those uh, f- papers to pass out. Disperse them randomly. So a couple over here, a couple over here. And you're going to read some for me in a couple minutes. But I just want to share a couple stories. Um, 
Is my literature rack over there? The little short one? Small, tiny little thing? Did I, is it by the chair? Okay, you can look at it when Jesse grabs it. But uh, I had a church member who grabbed a little literature rack and put some tracks in it. And then they, they went to the Christian bookstore in town and they said, hey, can I leave this in your Christian bookstore? And the guy's like, sure, looks good. And so he left that there and his job was just to go back to the Christian bookstore and keep the thing full of literature. Yeah, that one. Just like this, this little guy right here. And uh, we found out <clears throat> probably a couple months later that someone was going in and taking all of the tracks that he'd put in there and read them. Great, that's what it's there for. And uh, he stumbled upon the Hope Channel, and then he called in for Bible studies, because on the back of our little glow tracks, we have numbers to call, and they, that gets us directed over the conference, and then the local church can follow up, follow up with the interest. Well, this guy calls in for Bible studies. He says, hey, I've been reading these uh, little tracks at the Christian bookstore, and then I watched this thing on TV, and it was exactly what I was reading my tracks. <laughs> Statistically, they need to see it over and over and over. And uh, so I think I need some Bible studies. This guy gets baptized just like a couple weeks later after that. He comes into the church and he's in charge of literature ministries in the church. That's his job in the church. He goes back to the Christian bookstore and he says, Hey, I read this thing on the Sabbath and it says that we should try to keep this the day holy and, uh, and not do any work on the seventh day. And the guy at the Christian bookstore listened to him. And he changed his hours, so now they're closed on, on Saturday. I only got like two amens off that. Amen. <laughs> amen? amen? Simple method of advertising our truth. Another lady, she, uh, she was getting her hair done. And she read one of our magazines on the Sabbath. Put it away. Got her hair done. Walked into Target. And I don't know how God gets people to do certain things. But I just can get wild with my imagination. I imagine she's walking out of Target. There's a trash can. And I think an angel just slapped her on the top of the head or something. She reaches into a trash can in this Target and pulls out this little tract. <laughs> it's on the Sabbath. She reads it. She says, Lord, if you want me to join the Seventh-day Seventh Adventist Church, let me get one more sign. <laughs> she's walking down the street. Kids are down the street corner passing out tracts to people that walk by. She gets one balls. Kids are like, what just happened? <laughs> you don't understand. I was just praying about this. Joins the Seventh-day Adventist church. And that was not even seven. That was three. Amen? Okay, time for you to share. Everyone has a little paper. If you do, um, uh, let's start at the top of one of the pages. I don't care. Just pick a random story and uh, read it for me. Anyone? Anyone. Spaghetti factory, you got that? Okay. You wouldn't normally think that you could do evangelism while you're eating, eating out. That's why glow is so neat. Whether you're on the run or sitting down, you can be a blessing to someone around you. Once it's at the spaghetti factory, the waiter came to take my order. When I asked him how he was doing, he broke into tears. Recovering quickly, he informed me that it was a year ago today that his cousin was killed in a drive-by shooting. I wasn't sure which tracks I had with me that day or if any of them would be relevant to his situation. I decided to give him one anyway. My hand went into my pocket and pulled out. Does God care that I'm hurting? God knew exactly what he needed at that moment. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, someone over here. 
Any random story? You got one? Amen. Okay, one more. Recently, an Adventist girl was introduced to the GLOW program in Arizona. She had decided to carry literature with her on the city bus that day as she traveled to school. A young man boarded the bus and took the seat next to her. The entire time, she was battling with herself whether or not to hand this man a track. The bus stopped. She knew it was now or never. Almost thrusting it towards him, she gave him this God care that I'm hurting. I was just praying that God would give me a sign if he didn't want me to commit suicide. I think this is the sign. He turned and got off as she stood in amazement. God can use us in mighty ways if we would just decide to let him. Amen. The verse on the top of those uh, papers is what? By your fruit you shall know them. Right? We're seeing little bits of fruits come in from the simple method of passing out literature. Advertising the church. Church's truth. Amen? We looked at three different verses. Two different verses, rather. But I have one more. Luke, chapter 10, verse 3. Someone read it for me. I'm guessing in that crowd of 70 people that heard, heard Jesus' very strong language asking them to go to the harvest. There were some probably in that crowd that were nervous, uncomfortable, unsure of what they'll do when they get to the city that they're assigned to go to. And I'm guessing there's going to be some here that, that might be uncomfortable passing out literature might make you feel awkward once you get rejected by someone who says, no, I don't want that. You might be tempted to never do it again. But just remember, Jesus sent, sends you out as lambs among wolves. You know what wolves do to lambs, right? But He understands you're scared. He understands you're uncomfortable. He understands it can be awkward. <laughs> We're blessed in this country without having to, to really worry about religious persecution. Some countries don't have that luxury. But regardless, Jesus sends us out as lambs among wolves. Let's have a word of prayer together. Father in heaven, Lord, I ask that you help us to share the light that you've given us with those around us. Lord, you've given us so many resources. Help us to use them. And Lord, I ask that you'd help us to use literature in our outreach to those around us. Help us to plant little seeds of truth through these tracks and our books, 
maybe even our handwritten stuff that we write. Lord, just ask for for your light to shine brightly in this community. Bless this church and thank you for giving them so many wonderful people in this church. Use them today with rich experiences as they go door to door or pass out tracks. And we pray in your name. Amen. In just a few moments, we're going to have an opportunity to go door to door. Pastor, I think you're going to talk about that in a second. Um, uh, Jesse has a quick little training that he can do before we go, as soon as we have uh, a crowd of people that are ready and willing. And uh, when we go, we do not have to go door to door to find people. Sometimes we think literature evangelism is just going door to door. But no, it's, it's getting truth to people. You can find them a lot of different places. <laughs> Stores are great places. Gas stations are great places. Door to door is fine as well. But uh, we'll have a variety of places and options for you to go to where you may be the most comfortable in uh, passing out literature here this afternoon. The love of God is great.